think that's a lot of where my collaborators come from, is this letting go of past burdens and a new space being created to find new people who just take me to that next place of, of deeper understanding of, of the world and art. Welcome to Artists as Leader, where we explore the intersection of creativity and leadership. I'm Piercarlo Talenti, the producer and editor of this podcast, brought to you by the Keenan Institute for the Arts at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. And I'm Rob Kramer, founder and CEO of Kramer Leadership, whose mission is to advance leaders for the greater good. This week, we bring you Rob's interview with banjo player and composer Abigail Washburn. Hey, Rob, could you tell us a little bit about Abigail? I'd be delighted. Abigail Washburn is one of the country's premier claw hammer, banjo players, and folk music composers. She won a Grammy in 2016 for her duo album with her husband, Bela Fleck. And until COVID hit, she had a very busy international touring schedule. She's also an avid cross-cultural musician and believes in the spiritual power of music to bridge divides. Recently, Abigail has been collaborating and performing with Chinese musical virtuoso Wu Fei. Fei plays, and forgive my ineptness in Mandarin, an instrument called the Wu Jing, which is a 2,500-year-old Chinese stringed instrument. Abigail and Fei are truly fusing the musical cultures, traditions, and sounds of both Appalachian music and Chinese folk music. This past April of 2020, they released their first album, simply titled Wu Fei and Abigail Washburn on the Smithsonian Folkways label. By the way, the music you're hearing in this episode comes from that album. I just want to say also, Ram, I think I told you this, I had the great pleasure of seeing and hearing Wu Fei and Abigail perform at Oz Arts Nashville a few years ago. And it was just the greatest evening. They'd finished a residency with um, Nashville Public School System, I think. Mm. They're not only virtuosos at their craft, but they also do project this incredible sisterly warmth and generosity that just kind of keeps the audience in the palm of their hands. They're beautiful. really great. Yeah, beautiful. Well, Abigail spoke to me from her home in Nashville after a long day of distance learning. Uh, believe it or not, she's uh, eager to continually improve her command of Mandarin Chinese. And so she's currently enrolled in an advanced language program at Middlebury College, where she first started learning the language as a teenager during summer intensives. Abigail grew up in Vermont. So I started by asking her if she considered herself to be a leader. Uh, wow, that should be easy to answer, shouldn't it? Um, the reason it feels not very easy to answer is because I'm not sure what the term leader is supposed to mean. I've gotten a lot of different mixed messages throughout my life about what leadership should look like. And um, I, um, depending on who I'm talking to, I would present the possibility of me being a leader in really different ways. So um, like when I was a kid, being, you know, we'd, we'd have these classes in public school on leadership and it would mean like you you stand out amongst your peers and somehow you you wield power and you have charisma and you pull t people together and um, can uh, command their attention and sort of make them do things, you know. Um, 
but as I've gotten older and as times have changed, I've um, started to believe that leadership um, not only is something very different, but needs to be something very different um, rather than being about wielding power uh, to um, compel people to act a certain way. I would say that it really needs to be about um, facilitating listening to one another. If I can be a facilitator for people hearing each other or hearing themselves in a new way or activating their empathy, then I feel like um, then I've, I've taken a leadership role. Um, but I don't think it's unique, special human beings who can do that. And they don't have to be particularly charismatic or to particularly compelling in order to have that kind of leadership role in any group or in society or in family or wherever it may be, or within themselves as a complex being trying to understand all the different pieces that make us who we are. So when did you realize that you had some of these qualities of listening, of empathy, of drawing those connections between people? Well, when I was young, I... I definitely struggled with feeling too connected to other people's uh, emotional experience. Um, I, I don't know if that makes me unique from other people. I'm not sure, but I had trouble managing it. So I would often end up um, carrying around uh, hardships that I saw others managing in their lives. It's like my heart knows things about people. And I think most people's hearts know things about people. But for some reason, I came into the world with, um, without much um, armor or protection on against it. And so my whole life's work um, in my emotional being has been to try to figure out how to compartmentalize and how to manage um, how I feel other people's experience of the world and to figure out what, what the difference is between their experience and mine and cultivate a sense of myself. Um, so that's just, that's just my life's work because of the way I came into the world. So how do you, and it's a simple question, but how do you collaborate? What's your style to engage someone or engage a group? How does that process work for you? Collaboration for me has everything to do with who's in, who am I in the room with and what is our, what is our purpose together? Take, for example, working with my husband, collaborating with my husband, uh, making music. We generally know what our goal is. It's either some kind of show that we're going to put on. We've been doing these banjo house lockdown shows every Friday. Well, on um, every Friday, and then it became every other Friday, and now I'm not doing them. But um, he and I would prepare for these shows or for an album that we wanted to create. And so we knew when we were sitting down that we wanted to create material together that represented us not only as individuals, but something new that we could never create alone, that could only be created because of the union of our perspectives, our thoughts, our musical experiences. So when we sit down, we immediately try to bring some ideas to the table. So there's a little bit of prep work I'll, I'll put into it. I'll prepare uh, some musical ideas that I think will, um, will inspire both of us to find some common ground musically and even activate his writing um, his potential to add lyrics, for example, or to uh, add some kind of melody. You know, I really, I think about collaboration being a lot of different things because with, with my husband writing music for an album, it's a very specific outcome we're going for. Um, I've also gotten to collaborate with, for example, a group called Palabolus, which is a dance troupe um, up in Connecticut. When they sit down, they like to sit down in, in the room and have, have nothing, like start with nothing. So. Uh, maybe they'll maybe they'll throw out some 
games to try to play to help us create some movement that matches music or um, a lack of sound, play with lack of sound, play with some sound. Um, it really could go anywhere. And the whole idea is that we just have these strong beings in a room together that are totally willing to listen and yet totally willing to contribute. Then there's these like highly planned out collaborations where it's like, hey, you know what? Let's meet up to write a song for this specific event on this specific day. It's got to be about, um, uh, you know, women's rights and it's got to be uh, two minutes long and it's got to have a great chorus and it's got to have a bridge and it's got to, you know, so you sit down with someone and it's like, we all know, we, you know, the two of us know exactly what we have to achieve and we only have two hours to do it. So there's so many different kinds of contexts for collaboration that really shape what that collaboration becomes. And I really love stepping into different kinds of collaborations with different parameters because it can lead to such different things. And not only that, but it teaches me so much about myself in different situations. Like when I first down, sat down with Palabolos to work, I, I had no idea I could improvise. You know, I don't have all these jazz chops, but I have this willingness and a playfulness to play with what I do have, you know? That was a really neat discovery about myself, that improvising isn't necessarily jazz chops over a certain harm, harmonic you know, progression. It's, um, it can be just being willing to be playful in, this, in, a, in a situation where you have a couple of great artists that just want to put something together. <laughs> I asked her if the notion of collaboration that she described transcends culture. Well, I, I think this kind of collaboration that I'm talking about is, is a universal concept. However, we definitely need to bring our intelligence that we cultivate about different aspects of humanity and, and culture and language to anything we do. Uh, so... I do think it, it's not just creating space by stepping away, but it's creating space by actively asking other people to, uh, to fill it in and to, change, to, to, and to change your belief system. So like with Ufe, she's had a huge impact on me as a person. I mean, it's not like the first time I ever met her was in a studio trying to create music so that we could put out this bilingual, bicultural record. We've known each other for... Uh, Oh, gosh, almost 15 years now. And we were very close friends. We've been through a lot of ups and downs. And um, we call each other sister <laughs> for everything that it encompasses. And um, a lot of our work together has been listening and then also saying what we think needs to happen. But also this, we come to it with a spirit of like, teach me. I want to learn. What is it that you know about American Appalachian music? What is it that you know about um, famous Northern Chinese music? Or do you know that story from that opera from Anhui? Or can you tell me more about what it was that, you know, what the banjo styles would have been like, you know, in the hollers in, um, you know, during the Civil War versus like, you know, in the early 1900s? It, you know, we just both are such nerds about, um, uh, about wanting to learn what the other person has to teach us. So that's really how it led our, our collaboration came together is by this shared curiosity, but also the shared bank of knowledge or well, no, no, these separate banks of knowledge that um, had enough shared within it that we could really understand one another and learn from one another. People may not know that earlier in your life, you had thought about law school and maybe 
practicing law in China. And my question for you is, and this is a little bit tongue in cheek, Abigail, but are you practicing law uh, or doing international relations secretly as an artist? <laughs> um, I do not work for the Central Intelligence <laughs> Agency. Uh, officially, I will say that, nor the National Security Administration. So um, I was approached, but I knew it was not the, the lifestyle for me. I guess, I guess what I could say is in the creation of my music, I do have a hope that um, the collaborative spirit of it, as well as the cross-cultural spirit of it, um, does, you know, have an impact on the on the listeners, the people that care about the music. Maybe they find a home in it that feels familiar, or maybe they discover something they never knew. Um, whatever it is, I I I just feel really grateful that I, I I get to share this music, and yeah, I have this hope that uh, it will it will impact people, uh, whether it feels like you know, a comfortable home, or it feels like something that kind of pushes them, challenges them to uh, see music or see a collaboration in a different way. And I'm curious, because you had that strong interest, what was it about hearing Doc Watson and picking up the banjo that just drew you so far away from law to the arts and music? After my freshman year of college, I went to China for the first time, and I felt, uh, the long and short of it is that I fell madly in love with Chinese culture and realized that it was um, going to be an amazing lifelong challenge to try to study the language and um, engage with the, the culture and with the country. And it, indeed it has been, I'm 25 years in and it has been uh, quite the roller coaster ride and I'm, mm. it's a nonstop adventure. Um, so um, I, I really committed myself to the idea of doing some kind of bridging work. Um, and I, at that time, I did not consider myself a, a, a particularly special musician. I sang a little bit, uh, but that was it. Um, it wasn't until my senior year of college that I really, I, I heard Doc Watson on a record and I went out and I bought a banjo. So for me, Chinese came first and this love of China and this sort of marriage to the idea of bridging cultures came first. And I just thought that I would best do that in some kind of capacity that had to do with law. Um, and so that's where I was headed to law school in China when I bought a banjo and went to West Virginia and Kentucky and North Carolina that summer before I was going to leave for law school in China. And uh, it led to a, a whole new life. I walked down that path and I, I, I never went back to China to study law, but I quickly realized that uh, music has this incredible ability to connect people, connect people's hearts and minds. Um, and it doesn't require intellect or rationale to do it or logic. It just has a spirit to it that moves people. And being moved is um, is just a basic part of being human. So the idea that music, the music that I make, can somehow connect people on opposite sides of the earth um, and penetrate and and break through the politics and the propaganda we hear on our opposite sides, and it just it just means a lot to me. And that's that's a hope I hang on to. Thank you. 
I went on to ask her what needs to change to encourage young artists and creative people to lead. Gosh, if I had a magic wand and I could kind of um, just, I would change the notion of leadership in everyone's minds to become one of collaboration and exploring what that means. So right now I'm a part of a, um, an exploration of collaboration at UNC Chapel Hill. Um, and luckily I get to partner with um, and work closely with a, um, a community member, an amazing, the poet laureate of Chapel Hill. His name's CJ Suit. Together we've been facilitating a group of, um, a diverse group of uh, eight, is it six, six students and teachers on campus. And we basically have gotten together over the last year and decided to collab totally collaboratively using a lot of the collaboration games that uh, CJ has brought to the table uh, to create the idea for some events that we would put on together. So everything started, the important thing was these people in this room, who they are and what they bring to the table. It wasn't and isn't supposed to be about outcomes. Um, However, we did want to do something. We did want to go into the world and do something. So unfortunately, COVID-19 changed um, the trajectory of that, but I'm hoping it'll come back next year because uh, what the group came up with um, after f- really following um, CJ's uh, beautiful ability to um, pull people out and to a, a, create a collaborative reality in a room uh, full of people uh, was that we wanted to work on um, creating some events around sharing, uh, sharing otherwise marginalized or hidden voices. And we came up with four different events. And I, I, I believe it's going to happen next year, either online or in person with social distancing. Um, but the whole concept of that was just simply to engage in collaboration and experiment with what collaboration means. And I, I wish that everybody could have an experience like that, um, Specifically, to sit in a room with CJ and uh, and play and play collaboration games, honestly, because it really just uh, points out that perhaps it's the process of connecting that's more important than the the outcomes we believe we should be um, creating. Do you think that's innate for artists to be process driven and generative? No, I, I know so many different kind of artists. I would not say it's innate. Uh, mm or it's like the, um, a a unifying, um, piece of what makes us artists. Uh, I know artists that, um, are songwriters so that they can get a hit song and they really know the formula and they sit down and that's what they do. Yeah. They're in the process, but they're really thinking about what, you know, what's the, how am I going to make some cash off this thing? (laughs) You know, (laughs) how am I going to pay? Don't blame them, you know, Yeah, right. especially right now. Right. Um, I mean, I hope, gosh, I certainly hope that every artist uh, sinks deep into their process and enjoys that um, creative, fertile ground that we get to roll around in and and explore and try to, um, you know, feel, you know, if you can really, if you really want to go there and you can go there, I mean, you can feel ancient voices, you can feel the future of possibility, you can feel all these different things channeling through you. it's um, it's a phenomenal feeling, um, but I'm not sure that's really what every artist needs to do or wants to do, or even helps their process. <laughs> you know, for 
um, for bringing something to fruition. Uh, so I, d- I don't know. I, I don't know. I'd rather listen to a bunch of artists talk about what it is that makes them feel generative. Hmm. How, how do you go about selecting the people you want to collaborate with? Who I end up collaborating with seems to have a, well, I, I guess it, a lot of it has to do with my spiritual underpinning in life, which I use the word God. And um, when I think of God, I think of all that is uh, around me, all that I can't possibly understand, um, the the embrace of, um, of, of the life spirit. And so I... I am often um, awed by what uh, comes into my realm and um, full of this gratitude pretty much constantly, except maybe once a month for a couple of days when I'm getting ready to have my period. <laughs> but but I, uh, I, I just am constantly amazed by how how this world works and how different energies come and go from my life. And um, I feel like when I break free from patterns that have um, have uh, burdened me in my past, then all of a sudden these new poten- these new opportunities for teaching me about what I can learn once I've let go of certain things just flow into my life. And um, I think that's a lot of where my collaborators come from is this letting go of past burdens and a new space being created to find new people who just take me to that next place of a deeper understanding of, of the world and art. And sometimes it's extremely challenging and sometimes it's playful and um, sometimes it's, uh, um, it's, it's really to, to, you know, do something very specific, like, hey, let's write a, a song cycle together. Or, um, But usually I, I really only want to create space in my world to collaborate with people who will take me to that next place or who do challenge me or who are willing to collaborate in a way that there's a whole lot of listening and a whole lot of giving. Um, if, I don't, if I don't have a sense that that can happen in a pretty mutual way, I'm probably not likely to, to want to collaborate. So uh, last question for you, Abigail, um, thinking about some of our younger listeners and people who may be earlier in their journey, uh, evolving both as a, a leader and a, I mean, as an artist and as an artist leader, what advice do you wish uh, you had received uh, as you were just starting out as an artist leader? Who you are is enough already, but pursue your passions wildly. And listen deeply and strive to let go of the burdens that keep you from creating space to learn anew in your life. I love that she really wants to redefine the very meaning of leadership. What what struck you about your talk with her? Uh, I mean, I'll tell you, Pierre Carlo, since then, I've been really considering the way I define leadership. You know, I've said this in this podcast before, but there's over 2,000 
published definitions of leadership. And the, the definition we've been using for the purposes of the Artist as Leader series is that it's gaining willing followers towards a vision or goal within a, a context or situation. And after talking to her, it's really been sticking with me because she talked so much about the notion of leader follower not necessarily being the the correct way to think about leadership and that it's much more about a collaborative relationship. And and that struck me in a deep way. Um, I think with the social justice issues going on and the transformation of our culture and even the polarizing nature of our culture, I think to think about leader follower is so much about a, a power differential. And it seems like there's a lot of push to, to um, equalize that and level set that and, and, and in a case like that, leadership's really going to be most effective in a collaborative way. Uh, she really pushed the notion of collaboration really starts by facilitating listening to one another. And that she looks at every collaboration not as a chance to kind of burnish her existing credentials, but to always challenge yourself to discover something new, which that I really admire. Agreed. It, she's always trying to grow as an artist and obviously as an artist leader as well. It's just a super fascinating interview. Well, thanks for talking to her and bringing it to us, Rob. Oh, you're welcome. If you'd like to learn more about Abigail, please go to uncsa.edu slash artists as leader. And if you enjoy this interview, please leave us a rating or a comment wherever you get your podcasts. If you admire artist leaders in your own community that you'd love us to profile in future episodes, please shoot us an email at keenanarts at uncsa.edu. Special thanks to Megan Whitaker and Carissa Stolting. And thanks to the folks at Smithsonian Folkways Recordings for allowing us to use music from Abigail and Faye's brand new album. Be sure to buy it wherever you get your music. You won't be disappointed, I promise. I'm Pierre Carlo Talenti. And I'm Rob Kramer. Thanks so much for listening.